Welcome back to yet another episode of Coworking, the podcast that brings you the conversations you're currently missing from your workplace. And ooh golly, do we have one for you today. <laughs> yeah, this is episode number eight. We are almost to double digits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting up there. Uh, yeah, after, after talking about the Mandela effect last time, and there were a few kind of crazy conspiracy things, ideas in there. Uh, And I had seen people talk about this great documentary on Netflix that I hadn't watched yet called Behind the Curve. Mm -hmm. And so I said, Bianca, I I want us to both watch this documentary and then we're going to talk about Flat Earth. Mm -hmm. Now, to be clear, we're we're not going to talk about Flat Earth like you should believe in Flat Earth. We're going to be talking about the people <laughs> that, <laughs> that believe the earth is flat. Do we want to come out and ju- and say that we're a pro-science podcast? Like, is that a stance that we have to take? I'm not really sure about where we need to position ourselves in the podcast community. But Is that considered a brave thing to say that you are pro-science? Pro-science. I, I, don't, I, I don't, I mean, I don't feel oh. particularly brave. I just feel Hopefully like... that's the default. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm into now, science. Now, before we get into the documentary, Bianca, I want to ask you, when is the first time you heard mm-hmm. that there was a flat earth movement? I feel like it was maybe around the time that this documentary came out because I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> Or maybe it was it was prior prior to the release of it because I remember a point where I think there were NBA players that were propagating this oh, theory yeah. that the earth was flat. I remember learning about how hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago that some of the, <laughs> the first humans who asked these questions about like this thing that we're standing on, like what shape do you think it is? Um, they had thought that it was flat and then through using scientific methods, they were like, y'all, you're not going to believe this. It's a (laughs) globe. Um, but that was like, that was the extent of the flat earth that I understood where it's like, Mm -hmm. we didn't know that much. We know more now. And so we believe this new thing because we have, uh, scientific proof that we're living on a marble. Um, but yeah, I think it was before, just before the documentary came out and there were, I don't want to say celebrities, but at the very least there were athletes. Names you knew. Mm-hmm. Names you knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was on the internet in a profound way. <laughs> yeah. When What was your first introduction to it? Do you remember? So I think mine would have been a year or two before the documentary came out. Okay. It was actually somebody at work. Uh, they mentioned like, Hey, did you know that there's like a bunch of people that seem to believe the earth is flat and I can't tell if they're trolling or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think at that time, a lot of people on the internet that were saying that the earth was flat, they were just trolls. They, I don't think that they actually believed it. Maybe they did. I don't right. know. It's hard after watching this documentary. It is hard to tell. 
Yeah. But for the longest time, I believed with 100% certainty that if somebody told me the earth was flat, Mm -hmm. they're just being a troll. They don't actually believe that. Related to trolling on the internet, are you familiar with the troll of birds aren't real? No. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this is, so I learned about it from um, one of the squads that I work with. They told me about the subreddit that is birds aren't real. And it is very obviously people trolling like the jit. <laughs> so the, the theme is birds aren't real. And so they'll make memes and jokes oh, okay. um, about how birds aren't real. And they're just like security robots flying in the sky. And it's very obvious that everyone is in on the joke. Right. Mm. So I'm assuming that that's how you felt when you yeah. heard about the flat earther movement, where it was just like, yeah. everyone is in on the joke and they're just they're just trolling. Yeah, and I didn't at that time I didn't have any of the details of, you know, what they thought the map looked like, mm-hmm. how they thought the sun worked, um things like that. Uh and so it wasn't really until it's probably about a year ago another coworker started sharing some of those details with me not because they believed the earth was flat, sure, sure. because they were they were laughing about some of the aspects of it's it. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And, and so then I learned a lot more in this documentary about, you know, what they believe the map looks like, the sun and the moon, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and there's still a million questions that I want to ask one of these people just to see what they can come up with. Yep. Yeah. As soon as I heard some of the, the uh, ooh, I'm going to use facts loosely in this context. <laughs> Alternative facts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I heard them telling me what they thought the facts were, I had... Just instant questions running through my head, and I couldn't write them down quickly enough, nor did I really think that I was going to get an answer to any of them, because, like, there is there is some significant world building <laughs> in in this in the belief of this theory. Like, you you yes. have to start from the ground up. I don't know if that's a pun, uh, but it's. <laughs> It's inc- like it is incredible on so many levels. Where where do you want to start? <laughs> All right. So, uh, spoiler alert mm-hmm. for everybody that has not seen the documentary. We're going to spoil it, and the spoiler is these people are a little nuts. Yeah. Uh, they there. There's actually a really good part in the documentary where a scientist says, "We cannot help these people by calling them crazy." I thought that was kind of you know, it's kind of eye-opening, kind of oh, thought-provoking. Yeah. Uh, but we're never going to meet any of these individuals from the documentary, so I don't have any problem calling them a little nuts. Uh, now, Bianca, you mentioned before uh, we started recording, you took two pages of notes. I did. About this documentary. Yeah. So uh, let's start at the top. What did you write down? Okay, so um, I started off my notes um, by looking at um, the different scores for this documentary. So, um, I will say that when I found it in Netflix, it said that I had a 63% match with it, which does not bode well. Um, no, like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a match under like 95%. Yeah. It's usually when Netflix tells me that I'm going to like something, they are usually very correct. Yeah. Um, and they were not wrong. In saying that I would like this 63%. 
Um, yeah. Uh, it's got an 89 out of 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and that is the the reviewer score, but the audience score is a 66. So it was near what Netflix gave it to me as a recommendation mm. of. Um, IMDb has it as a 6.5 out of 10. So <laughs> consistent across the IMDb yeah. and the audience scale. So I looked at those first. I had seen the documentary before. I watched it with my husband maybe a year or two ago. Um, I didn't remember enough to have it fresh in my mind. So I watched it again. That's what I did this weekend. Um, when they start off by saying you're in a sound stage like the Truman Show, I I cannot <laughs> tell you how concerned I was about how far back into my head my eyeballs were going to roll. Like I, I wanted to call a medical professional to just be on standby oh, yeah. for, because otherwise they were going to get stuck. Like I was going to have strong sight problems after this movie. Um, <laughs> one of my first thoughts in, in them mm, trying to argue the point that the earth was flat, I wrote down scientists figured this out hundreds and hundreds of years ago with a string and a toothpick and these ding-dongs <laughs> think they know more than science. Yeah, I think one of the very first things they do is he's like standing on a beach and he can see buildings across the water. Yes. He's like, I shouldn't be able to see those buildings. And I'm like, you did not do the math. No, no, my dude. Oh. <laughs> there, uh, just a warning. There's going to be a lot of exasperated size in this episode so just yeah, just buckle up. There's gonna be a lot of <laughs> a lot of labored uh size in this episode. At least for me. Um yeah, the other thing uh yeah, the other thing I wrote down was the the comparison that I made to birds aren't real. We're like, yeah, you could very you could very easily think that this was just a troll and everyone's in on the joke. Mm -hmm. Um that is not the case. It could it could <laughs> no. be like it reminded me of some absurdist comedy that's very funny. Um, it this is not comedy that like everything that they say, they believe one hundred and four percent. These would have to be world class actors. Yes, if they did not believe these things. Yeah, but I don't think that they are world class actors. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's a hard no from me. Mm -mm. Um. I also wrote down um, one of the astrophysicists that they interviewed. Her name was Hannah Lore. I just thought that was a dope name. So I wrote that down. <laughs> um, and then one of one of my favorite things that happened as we are um, taking the journey with the Flat Earthers. And then we're cutting to different scientists and different people who mm -hmm. work in the realm of astrophysicists. Um they go from Hannah Lore, who has a dope name and is an astrophysicist, to a gentleman who is a psychiatrist. And the irony was not lost on me. <laughs> that was very funny to me. Yeah. Um, I, I did love that they included a, a psychologist. Mm. Oh, it was very funny. And I think a lot of that made sense of why they would want to bring this in here. Because if you think about, so I'm going to get, I'm going to get science and psychological 
But if you think about like human beings as creatures, like as a species, we, um, we were made to be social. We were made to um, protect each other. We were made to want to be protected by the group. And all believing the same thing allows us to be part of the same group and allows us to tell the people in the group, like, I'm one of you and we can share resources and we can um, protect each other. And so when someone willingly decides to not be a part of the group, that is a threat. And that is something that, like, should not happen in nature most of the time. So, like, it's actually very strange for someone to be like, oh, hey, uh... I believe this other thing. Um, like we we as social creatures, that's why groupthink is so strong mm. and so prominent because we don't want to be rejected by the group because the group provides resources, the group provides safety, the group provides um, this social need and belonging that we all have. Um, so I think it is, it's really interesting that of course they're like separating themselves from this other group that believes we live on a marble um, and this group is like, no, it's flat. And they just crave um, other people who think the same thing as them, right? Like that's yep. a very, it's a very social need and it's a very human thing to do. But a lot of them are like, screw you. I believe the earth is flat. Like I'm going to go and do my own thing. Um, yeah, and but hoping even... that they'll find people along the way. Like the first, yeah. the first, uh, their first instinct is to just break away and be like, peace, I'm out. Yeah, but they did talk a lot about, uh, like the Flat Earthers talked about how much they appreciate the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, those are now their people because all of their normal people have said, you're crazy. Right. Um, but uh, it seemed like they liked that club so much mm-hmm. that even if they did see evidence, concrete evidence that the earth is round, they would still reject it because they, they want to stay in the club. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also, um, going back to your point about like not shaming folks who don't take science at face value. Um, shame is a, a natural way to bring people back into the group to be like, Hey, no, you should think the same things that we do. Um, so shame is a natural response to someone being like, Hey, I believe this other differing thing. Um, and it doesn't work because like we have expanded our, our intelligence and we're like, no, I can believe the things that I want to believe. So Mm. shame is a natural response, but it doesn't totally work. It would work if it's something like very simple. Um, like it works with kids, it works with dogs. Um, but like adults don't super respond to shame really well, unless it's like, "Mm." I mean, talk to your therapist. You'll talk to your therapist about about <laughs> the shame that you feel that you've grown from having a trauma response to something. But um, that's why, like, people wearing masks, um, like, people being shamed for not wearing them, like, it's not a great approach. Yeah. Um, that's why it's like, hey, I need you to understand the importance of this instead of just being like, hey, you ding dong, wear your mask. Or like, hey, you ding dong, we live on a marble. It's not, it's not flat. Yeah, a lot of people they tend to just double down on it. Oh yeah, and I, and I think the the flat earthers are the same thing. Like every time somebody tells them they're crazy, mm-hmm. they're just like, "No, I'm I'm not crazy," and right. now I believe it more than ever. Yeah, because who wants to be called crazy? Nobody does. Nobody's out here being like, "I'm going to try to get someone to call me crazy" because that's what I want in my day. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, also, as an aside, ding dong is one of my favorite insults. Like, I think it is, it's fairly kid friendly, um, <laughs> but it's one of my favorite things to call someone who's just being an idiot. Yeah. Very so nice. I'm going to use ding dong as, as an insult throughout this whole thing. Cause we wanted to keep it family friendly. There oh, are yeah, several yeah. instances where I could really get going and turn, <laughs> go full sailor, but yeah, I'm going to keep it to ding dong. That's the, that's my, that's I, my ceiling. Quick aside. I did find out that my, my good friend's daughter has been listening to us and she very much enjoys our podcast. So shout out to Amelia. Amelia! Uh, we we will keep it family friendly. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. What do you got? What do you got next on your notes? Okay. Um, I also put, um, uh, I think it's very funny calling science um, or, or calling the flat earthers the anti-intellectual movement. Like some of the, the mm-hmm. phrases that they had. Um uh, I thought it's very funny that they said that they are winning versus science. Um, <laughs> yeah, they said they were crushing it, and they're they're going to be in the schools soon. I'm I'm going to go with a no on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't I, I will say so. I do not have children. I'm not up to date on the curriculum that's being presented in schools. I'm pretty sure flat Earth is not an approved topic. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't see that one happening. Yeah, you have kiddos in school. Have they learned about mm-hmm. flat Earth? Uh, no, I actually should ask them to see <laughs> if uh, if you know they've heard anybody talk about it. Because yeah. I've read stories on the internet of uh, you know a flat Earther. They're like, yeah, I taught my children about the flat Earth, and they brought it up in their classroom, and everybody cheered. Yeah, that was in <laughs> um, um, what's his guts talked about um, uh, talked about being like a third generation. Flat earther, yeah, like his, yeah. he, like <laughs> I taught my kids about it, and my kids taught their kids, and now we all believe in flat earth. I'm like, oh, oh, what a I, hill I do, to die on. I do have to say, the only part that I could not laugh about, mm-hmm. and I was only sad, was when there was the twelve-year-old kid mm. uh, who is a now a diehard flat earther because his parents are flat earthers. Yep. Oh, poor kid. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say, I feel like um, everyone should go to therapy. It makes you a, a whole well-rounded human being, but those parents better be saving for the therapy costs <laughs> that they are incurring on their child. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my Lanta. Okay. What else do I have here? Uh, I wrote brain coach WTF. One of them had a brain coach. Oh, I remember the phrase, but I'm trying to remember. I think it was who, the guy who, was who had the, the uh, hammers and the ping pong balls. And he was talking about how like his yes. brain coach told him about it. And I was like, Are, you have got to be kidding me. I think he's also the one that said, you know, a lot of people just assume that the flat earthers all live in their mom's basement. But every flat earther I know is either doing very well or they're just doing their own thing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so they're all doing their own thing. Like yeah. you are. Yep. Yeah. And they they never actually said it, but I'm pretty sure the main guy was living with his mom. Yeah, and I mean I feel like we're in a recession right now. Like if I mean granted that wasn't what was happening when the documentary was made. <laughs> like I could see it now, but yeah, I ooh, mm, kitten. Just mm-hmm, Yeah, he mm-hmm. had he had he had several 
very interesting thoughts for someone who has a brain coach. Um, his <laughs> dexterity and his hand-eye coordination was unparalleled, though. Uh, I was very impressed with that. Well, he's got a lot of time for that when he's doing his own thing. Doing his own thing. Um, I'm going to go, um, <laughs> if I ever move on to another job and uh, we are no longer co-workers, that's how I'm going to interview and be like, oh, tell me about your last job. You know what? I was just doing my own thing. That's just what it, I mean, what else do you want me to tell you? I was just doing my own thing. <sighs> I kind of want to advertise myself as a brain coach. I just want to right? see what kind of people I can get. <sighs> yeah. Untapped market. That's a blue ocean right Absolutely. there. If I've ever yeah. heard one. <laughs> uh, okay. So the, at some point they introduce a flat earth match. Like there are, there's oh, this, yeah. this need for, and they talk about it a couple times where like, it's very hard to date, uh, do they, I don't know if they call them globalists or like the, the people who believe that the earth is a globe. Um, yeah. I don't remember what, what terminology they used. I don't remember what the term for us is. Um, but yeah, they, they say it's like, it's very hard. And then like later on in the movie, they roll through people who are like, yeah, I'm separated or I'm in the process of finalizing a divorce. <laughs> yeah. Like, And you're like, oh no, all of these relationships are ruined because yeah. like you latched onto flat earth and you really latched onto it. And what um, a silly thing to ruin a relationship over. So this is, this is another point that I wrote down to be so obsessed with one thing, the, um, the souvenirs and the paraphernalia that these folks have in their home is so Greg, you know, you know, a decent amount about me to know that like, I would describe myself as a dog person. Yep. Right. hundred percent. Right. So like self-proclaimed, I, uh, I really lean into it. I've got, uh, dogs on a mug. I've got a doormat that says, I hope you like dogs. But like, that's where it stops is like the mugs, the <laughs> set of mugs that I have and the doormat. Whereas like these folks are decorating their entire homes oh, with yeah. flat earth stuff. So the guy who is the woodworker making yep. all of those flat earth. Okay. Uh, um, besides the fact that it's wrong. The things that he was making was very cool. Like that no, motorcycle I, was the, the so craftsmanship, cool. The craftsmanship was top notch. Incredible. Like I am actually terrified of motorcycles. I've been on the motorcycle. I've been on the back of a motorcycle once in my life. I went 35 miles an hour and I almost peed my pants. <laughs> um, so needless to say, I am not a motorcycle lover. Um, but that is something like if you made that a tricycle oh i totally would have rode that thing that was beautiful beautifully made i don't think they said how much he was selling those domes for like the, yeah. the flat earth dome disc thing but it's got to be hundreds of dollars oh it has to be yeah because those it he was talking about like they have to be perfect especially for what yeah. i'm selling them for i was like oh my gosh other woodworkers out there you could make these like if you have no moral dilemmas of advancing the flat earth yeah. <laughs> ideology, you probably make a lot of money just building some cool domes and selling them to people. Of course. And I, I want to know what the opportunity for like crossover things are. 
Like, what are similar interests? Like, does everyone who's a flat earther also enjoy The Office? Like, it's probably not vice versa that everyone who enjoys The Office is a flat earther. But, like, is there something that, like, you could do a crossover uh, globe of some sort? You just got to look at the uh, all the other conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Because from shocking to nobody, the people that believe that the Earth is flat tend to believe a lot of other conspiracy theories. Yep. And it yep. seems to me that the flat earth is like the final frontier for conspiracy territory. Mm -hmm. And the main guy even said like, yeah, I've got a lot of uh, hardcore conspiracy books. And uh, this one, the flat earth, it was even a little crazy for me till I started looking into it. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the interesting thing is that conspiracy theories are just that they're theories and they're largely untestable, right? Like this is one of the only ones where someone's buying <laughs> like a $20,000 gyroscope to be like, hmm, I wonder if we can prove that uh, the earth isn't actually spinning. And then uh, spoiler, no, you can't because yeah. we're on a globe and it's spinning. I, you know, when they talked about that science experiment, so for anybody that's not going to watch it, they mm -hmm. they bought a gyroscope, a $20,000 laser gyroscope, mm -mm. because they said, uh, if the Earth is flat, the gyroscope will never tilt. But if the Earth is round and spinning, it should tilt at 15 degrees per hour. Mm -hmm. And what did they find? Oh, my gosh, the gyroscope tilted at 15 degrees per hour. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite response from them is, well, we need to put this thing in this special metal tube to block the energy from the heavens. Yep. Mm -hmm. That is that is what their science-oriented flat earth people said. Yep. They need to block the energy mm -hmm. from the heavens. Yep. And then, Greg, tell me what happened when they did that experiment. Yeah, it still tilted at 15 degrees Shocking. per hour. I, Who could have guessed? Yeah. You know what they could have spent that 20 grand on? An amazing Antarctica cruise mm -hmm. where you actually sail from the tip of South America to New Zealand, mm -hmm. which if you look at their disc, mm -hmm. that is almost a straight shot across the entire disc. Yep. That'd be going all the way up South America, all the way up North America, across mm -hmm. most of Europe or Russia rather, mm -hmm. and then over to New Zealand. Like that'd be an impossible journey. And yet you can make that trip for $20,000 and see a lot of cool sites and not have this uh, laser toy. Yeah. Why not treat yourself to a Southern Hemisphere tour instead of, yeah, buying a science toy that you have no business with? <laughs> oh, my Atlanta. All right. What else you got? Um, you know what? I love how it suddenly became a love story. Between Mark and Patricia. Like, yeah. it it was just suddenly like, will they, won't they, um, in the Flat Earth community. Uh, yeah, and then they, oh, at some point I wrote, Mark's poor mother. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I just felt very badly for her. Yeah, yeah. Until we found out that she was like, I don't know, show me the proof. And I was like, oh, not you too, Mark's mom. <laughs> um, uh, yeah so it suddenly became a love story with Mark and Patricia 
Um, I love how they went into the difference between imposter syndrome and the Dunning-Kruger effect. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and the uh, it is very funny. They've done studies on the Dunning-Kruger effect where um, it's basically like your own hubris tells you that, yeah, I probably know more about, like, I can figure it out, right? I, to be fair, I do this a lot. Um I'll take stuff apart and I'm like, I could figure it out. Spoiler, didn't figure it out. <laughs> um, but the the Dunning-Kruger effect shows that um, if you know about a topic, you are more likely to accurately rate how much you truly know about it than if you um, don't know anything about it. Where like, mm-hmm. it, so let's say, for instance, you get a Jeopardy category. And you're like, how how well do you think you'll answer for for this Jeopardy category? And um, people who don't know as much about it are overconfident about how many they'll get correct. Whereas people who have studied this category are like, ooh, they actually undershoot it. Oh, um, wow. So people who don't know a lot about something overestimate their confidence in how much they understand about a topic. Um, which is which is the opposite of imposter syndrome, which I think gets a lot of play, um, especially in um, women's career circles. Like, yep. um, it's especially about like, I have gotten to this part. And the, the thing about imposter syndrome is that you feel like you have fooled someone into getting into where you mm-hmm. are, that you can't possibly know this much about it. I'm sure it's actually really popular with developers too, Greg. Yeah. Engineering in general, mm-hmm. uh, imposter syndrome is very common. Um, and I think a lot of that stems from, we see what the people around us are doing, but we typically only pay attention to the really brilliant things that they're doing. Uh, and then, you know, if you see another developer that's always cranking out amazing stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't compare to this person. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very common. Uh, now question for you, Bianca, if, if you had, you know, somebody pose this Jeopardy question to you and it was about Parks and Rec. Yeah. What would you, how would you say you would do? I I think I would do well. I know I don't know everything. So so if you think you'll do well, does that mean it's Dunning Kruger effect? <laughs> 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 well, uh, so I know how many. So I I test myself or oh, okay, my okay. my sister quizzes me on several occasions. So my sister actually texted me the other day and she goes Who's the guy who hosts Thoughts for Your Thoughts, which is like the faux NPR um, mm-hmm. uh, show that they run on Parks and Rec? And I said, oh, it's Derry Merbles. And before she could respond with who is the second host, I responded with it's August Clementine. He's the <laughs> the uh, so when Pawnee and Eagleton merged they merged their NPR stations as well. So they had two hosts for thoughts for your thoughts. And she was (laughs) like, how do you remember this? And I was like, I don't know, but my husband is, is concerned. Like that. This is how (laughs) I spend my time is just rewatching Parks and Rec. So I know from going to trivia, I didn't remember everything. Like I know, I think I got about 80% of the questions that they asked at the, the trivia championship that I won. So I know that there are things that I don't know because I've just not paid attention to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would guess I would know about 80% of questions that are asked to me. 
and see where the Dunning-Kruger effect really uh, uh, pairs well mm-hmm. is with uh, misinformation on YouTube and social media where somebody's like, well, I watched a YouTube video where this very convincing person mm-hmm. said these things and I believe it. Yep. There's, <laughs> I actually saw, there's a great post, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and uh, there's a great post from a doctor who said what it feels like when I go to school for seven years, I have, do all these rotations, you know, I study medicine like half of my life. And so I make a post saying, you know, do these things to stay healthy, wear a mask. And then some guy on the internet is like, well, that's BS. And half the people believe him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very concerning. That's that's your anti-intellectualism, mm-hmm. anti-intellectual movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Bananas for short. <laughs> All right. What else you got? Okay. So that's my first page of notes. <laughs> okay. Page one. <laughs> On uh, the second page. So I, I loved, I loved this part of the documentary where they go into more of the psychological understanding of um, why someone believes what they believe or how it can be reinforced. And they talk about confirmation bias that, oh, yeah, yeah. that you are selectively looking for the things that confirm your belief. You're filtering out the things that are in opposition to what you believe and you just don't pay them any mind because you think they're fake or you think that it's made up or just because it disagrees with your perspective or your point of view. We do this all the time, right? And there's, um, so I'm going to go back in like history. When it when it comes to um, heuristics and biases, this is actually a very natural thing for humans to do. And a lot of it is because um, hundreds and thousands of years ago, when we were hunter-gatherers, um, there's only so much brain work that we could do before you just get tired, right? And so heuristics (laughs) and biases allow us to do mental processing a lot quicker so that the the example that I like to use is a chair. So I understand in my brain that the chair is something that I can sit on. Um, Is a stool something that I can sit on? Yes. Would I call it in the category of chair? No, it's in the category of something that I can sit on. So like a sofa, an ottoman, a well-made table that's not going to buckle underneath me, right? Like these are all things (laughs) that I, in my experience, have learned. These are things that I can sit on. They can support my weight. Um, This is a place where I can rest my feet. And so if I had to go through that mental gymnastics every time to figure out like, can I put my butt on this thing? Um, It would just leave me with a lot less mental energy to do the more important things in my life. And so that's a very simplistic example, but like, confirmation bias, anchoring bias, um, a whole bunch of other ones, complexity bias, like they they allow us to go to an answer very quickly so that we don't have to exert all of this mental effort in order to do stuff. But where it fails us <laughs> is when um, like this confirmation bias, you're looking for things that are familiar to something that you have already experienced and already believe. Um, which is why when they were talking about the flat earth stuff, um, in relation to the scientific method, they were saying, and I was actually very hopeful 
of some of these flat earthers that were like, I very much believe in the scientific method. Like I want to test yeah. everything. I was very excited about this prospect. Let me tell you. What they got backwards was when that science journalist was saying like, yes, if you have a question of A, science is the process that gets you to the answer of B, right? But if you take the answer B and use the scientific process to go backwards and say like, I already have a conclusion. Let me use science to prove that this conclusion is true. That's where it gets messy. And that's where it gets to be uh, confounded with other stuff. That's, so That's where you start to believe that there's energy in the heavens messing up your experiment. <laughs> yeah. And you have to like put it in a bismuth uh, cylinder of some yeah. sort. Like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Can't we just... Like, we can replicate this. That's actually a very strong scientific thing that you're supposed to do is, like, do the experiment, do the experiment again, do you get similar results? And if you do, that means it's replicable and you're, mm-hmm. what you found is probably the thing that exists, right? So to say that, like, oh, it drifted 15 degrees and therefore something must be wrong. No! my dude (laughs) you're just wrong and you gotta take the l and that's okay (laughs) (laughs) i know at the very end they had another experiment where they had um like the it was boards that were Mm -hmm. separated by a long distance um, but they knew they were the same uh height because of a canal a long canal Mm -hmm. that was there um and of course the results of the experiment match more with the fact that the earth is round because it is. Yes. Uh, and I, I don't remember if they had come up with excuses for that one. I don't think that they showed any in the documentary. No, I think they all just kind of like threw their hands up in the air, breathed a heavy sigh and were like, well, we're going to have to do something else. Yeah. Because, well, because we messed this one up. <laughs> right. Right. We're like, no, it's okay. It's, it's science. It's fine. We got this. <laughs> uh, yeah, gyroscope OMG is what I wrote on there when like I learned what the price of the gyroscope was. Yeah, $20,000. That is nuts. Let me tell you what I would do with $20,000. Not that. Yeah. Mm-mm. I want to um, know what the scientists are doing with a $20,000 gyroscope. Yes! And I want to know, like, was there a sales guy involved in this? Where he was asking questions like, what are you going to do with this gyroscope? Oh, we're going to prove that the earth is flat. Right. Oh. Yeah. What did that <laughs> procurement process look like? Like, because there's no, there's no people just off the street buying $20,000 gyroscopes. I, I doubt you can buy it on Amazon. I didn't check. Ooh. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, when they talked about Antarctica just being like a 200-foot wall mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. ice... Um, my first thought was, what about Colin O'Brady? If you're familiar with Colin O'Brady, um, he had a swell set of Instagram stories um, a year or two ago where he was the first person to complete a solo, unsupported, unaided crossing of Antarctica. Oh, I do remember this. Yeah. And uh, he pooped his pants, right? It sounds familiar. Yeah. 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 Uh, and he, he just had to keep going. Yeah. And and we got like Instagram stories every so often of like his progress mm-hmm. through Antarctica whenever he could get service. Um, so yeah, uh, I, 
how do you like oh is is colin o'brady in the cia well th- I mean, that's what they would say he's part of, of it and i also remembered uh also just not too long ago a few years ago i think uh there was a 16 year old girl that uh she was the first person to reach the north pole and the south pole um and like cross the greenland ice sheet something like that jade hammeister i don't know if i'm saying her last wow. name correctly but yeah 16 years old and made it to the south pole and she got famous on the internet uh because she got in some feud about gender roles uh because somebody told her to make them a sandwich and she said <gasps> well i'm at the south pole dummy <laughs> yeah get it oh my lanta <laughs> but yeah but the flat earthers would say she's part of it too get out of here you're not you're not old enough to be part of the cia yet She's a child, child of the CIA. Oh, They'd probably say she's not even 16. I mean, it's not like right. you can see her face. She's in probably 34. She's at the South Pole. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's probably 34. She's got a great skincare regimen and she's part of the CIA. Yeah. Everything they said about Antarctica, all I can think of is this is so easy to just go check. Yeah. Just go travel. And so for anybody that's struggling to picture what they believe the Earth looks like, it is a disc where the North Pole is actually the center uh-huh. of the disk. And so, you know, imagine if you took a globe and you kind of peeled it like an orange starting at the South Pole and left the North Pole intact, mm-hmm. That's and then filled the rest in with water. That's kind of what it what they think it looks like. But the, the entire ring, the entire outside ring, they believe that is Antarctica. Yeah. And and then there's they said there's a giant ice wall, Game of Thrones style, just kind of mm-hmm. blocking the edge the edge of the flat earth and uh yeah people go to antarctica you can take a cruise there there's like several i want to call them towns but there's like 30 some uh like scientific communities there scattered all over they fly from from place to place i have to believe that even the people in westeros knew that the earth was round right like (laughs) I don't know. They they did ask the question, what is west of Westeros? A lot of people might have forgotten that because it was in the terrible eighth season. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. eighth season. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, so on the CIA thing, I wrote down, uh, if you're, uh, someone had said, if you're CIA, everything can be constructed. Which just <laughs> led me to believe, like, what a sad way to live your life. Like, not being able to enjoy anything and, and being so in this camp and just being like, you're a fraud. This isn't real. Like, that's just a sad, aggressive way to go through life. And I don't mm-hmm. want that. I also love the fact that there was infighting within the Flat Earther community where they were calling Mark part of the CIA. Oh, because there's like the, there's the one guy that he was like an artist for NASA at one point. Yeah. Who he seemed completely off the rails. Yeah, like, he's he's dealing in a documentary with some stuff. of crazies. He was he looked so much more crazy than the rest. He looked but the anyway, most convincing. Yeah, but he was saying that the Mark guy was part of the CIA, and then also that Patricia was part of the CIA because her name ends in CIA. <laughs> I can't. I can't. That that might be confirmation bias of like I know oh, this person's in the CIA. Oh my gosh, did you see how they spell their name? Yes. <laughs> oh boy. 
Yeah, we haven't even talked about that guy yet. He, mm, yeah, he is dealing with some things. Yeah, you'll, you'll have to watch the documentary to, to see more about him. Yeah, I think all they could really do is just play videos of him because I don't think that he really wanted to participate in the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, he uh, he wanted to be basically the king of the flat earth mm-hmm. theory. Uh, and everybody else was like, no, this is a public domain theory. Nobody mm-hmm. owns it. <laughs> all right, what else? Um, one of the professors that they were interviewing... And they said something on the lines of like, these folks have been educated to distrust certain sources, which poisons the well, Um, which like being educated to like question every, it felt like, it felt like a real punk rock vibe of just like question the man, yeah, question everything, but like taking it way too far. Um, Yeah, that just made me sad. Um, I also really enjoyed being skeptical and being in denial is very subtle. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Starting at a conclusion and working backwards is wrong. That was that Mm -hmm. science Mm -hmm. piece that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Again, I wrote gyroscope OMG. Um, oh, when they went to the space center and Mark couldn't find the start button and was like it's broken we paid 30 dollars <laughs> for admission and it's broken but yeah. the start button was on the armrest yeah. or like in the console between the two seats he kept just like bashing the screen and hitting start like not hitting the start button oh that oh boy Mm-mm. and then the the camera panned to the start button yeah very uh very parks and rec style Absolutely. It was so intentional. And (laughs) again, the irony was not lost on me. It was just delightful. Uh, They talked about empathy and how um, the, so in that like bar science night, the guy who came up and talked about science literacy and making sure that like, we don't call people crazy. We don't call people nuts. Like we just have to like understand their point of view and educate them along the way. Um, It's creating empathy Okay, so the last thing I wrote on here is a very interesting story of, like, folks wanting to feel special and wanting to be the protagonist of their own adventure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I took away, the most um, the most profound part in, in that snippet was no one is the Ursula in their own story. Like, if... if because of your point of view, like everyone hating on you and like, no one understands me. Like you're never the bad guy. Like you are, you are the hero of your own story and everyone else is evil. That's why it like so quickly turns into like good versus evil. Mm. Whereas like, we're talking about science, right? Like there is nothing that feels inherently good or evil about the stuff that we're talking about, but it like slowly morphs into that over time, especially if you talk about it, like being a conspiracy that like someone is feeding you this crap information and like, it's evil. Like, no, that's not, mm, it's, uh, there's one thing, um, that I looked up because I was familiar with the concept, but I wanted to, to be, um, a little bit more clear about it. Um, something that they didn't cover in the documentary was something called complexity bias. 
is another one of our many biases. But it's our, uh, it is our bias to believe the more complex or the more convoluted explanation to the solution for a problem. So if you've ever encountered a problem and someone's like, oh, you know, just like stick a paper clip in it. And you're like, no, that's way too easy. Like, it can't be that. That's complexity bias that like this problem has to be like, if I couldn't figure it out, the problem has to be so complex and the answer needs to be so complex. It can't just be something very simple. Whereas most of the time it's actually Occam's razor where like the most simple thing is actually the answer to most things. Um, And so I feel like conspiracy theories really plays into complexity bias where you're like, someone's paying somebody, man. Like when the, when one woman walked up in the documentary at the convention and she was like, is it the U S government? Like, are they in collusion with other governments? Like is somebody paying them? He's like, yes, it's all of it. Like, do you (laughs) understand the planning that would go into this? Like most people can't plan a birthday party and you're telling me that multiple governments are colluding to say that we live on a marble? Like who wins? What's the point? I don't understand. Yeah. They, <sighs> they, uh, they think all the governments are in on it together. They can't agree on many other things, but you yeah. know, convincing the world, convincing the entire population that the earth is round. Uh, is apparently something they can agree on. Yeah, really? This is the thing that we can all agree on? It's not peace? <laughs> oh, boy. So those are my notes. And I <laughs> I went I went real long. I, yeah. took, I took several notes. So after watching it, uh, I, I went <clears throat> and decided to spend, I don't know, 10 minutes. Yeah. Just looking up some things, you know, posing questions in my head that I could ask a flat earther Mm -hmm. that'd make them be like, Oh gosh, I didn't, hadn't thought of that. Right. So the first obvious question that, uh, you know, a listener that hasn't watched the documentary might ask, well, can you just call somebody on the other side of the globe and say, you know, is the sun up? Right. And their answer for that is, well, the, the sun like rotates, uh, it, it shines down like a flashlight, but it rotates in a circle around this disc. So, Roughly half of the world sees the sun at any one time. Uh, And then I thought, well, okay. Uh, In the documentary, they mentioned there are no flights, no direct flights that start and end in the Southern Hemisphere. So I went to Google Flights and looked for some direct flights. And oh my gosh, I found one (laughs) after searching for less than five minutes. There's a direct flight from Auckland, New Zealand to Santiago de Chile. Uh, it is about 11 hours on this flight. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the disc, mm-hmm. <laughs> you look at their map of the disc, that's like going from LA to New York like six times. Mm-mm. And then I looked up, well, how long does it take to get from LA to New York? Mm-hmm. Six hours. Yeah. So I, I, I think that they're, I think they're a little wrong on that one. But then I found a YouTube video where they addressed a direct flight in the Southern Hemisphere and you know how they always have to come up with answers. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you see, on the edge of the disc, uh, if you get up high enough in the atmosphere, there's hurricane force winds that yeah, would make you travel so fast that you can still get there. But what about the other direction? That's a direct flight both ways. Right. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, like you have to come up with just the most banana pants answers yeah. for debunking science. And, and so then I, I, you know, they also say you can't go to Antarctica. All of these militaries that are in on it prevent you from visiting Antarctica, which is it's We've false. already talked about that. People have been to Antarctica. Uh, now, I personally have not been to Antarctica, but I have no problem believing other people that say they've been to Antarctica. Yeah. I haven't gone to Antarctica because I just don't do well in extreme cold. Um, it's a personal choice, not going to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. But I did look up cruises. There are a lot of Antarctica cruises. And again, there is one that leaves from the southern tip of South America mm-hmm. and then ends in New Zealand. And it only takes like 20 days. Uh, and so you get to see quite a bit of Antarctica that way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, any any ship, any cargo ship, if you look at their disc, could not sail that far in that short amount of time. Uh, but I'm sure they would say, well, you know, when you get that far out on the disc, there's hurricane force currents <laughs> carrying the boat. <laughs> uh, but then... But then I finally realized the uh, the big question you could ask, the very simple question you could ask that really destroys their model is what about the daylight hours in summertime in that southern tip of South America? Yeah. People live there. You could visit there. Yes. Obviously, you know, the military is not going to prevent you from visiting there. Uh, just go there in the summertime, the southern hemisphere, southern time, which is obviously wintertime here. Right. Uh, and just see how much the sun is up for like, yeah. you know, most of the day. And then try to make that work with their model of the disc and the sun moving in a circle. And it's impossible. Yeah. You it can't doesn't. do it. I also don't, I mean, I have not looked this up because um, I have not given any credence to it. But like, <laughs> how do how do phases of the moon work? Like that's... Oh, well, they say that's all. Remember, Mark says... It's just all pictures in the dome firmament. Because oh he even said the uh, the solar eclipse. Remember when he's in the documentary, he saw the solar eclipse that happened yeah. in, uh, wait, was that 2017? Uh, yeah, I think it was. It's, yeah. And, and afterward, he was like, it was like watching a movie, a very well-produced movie. And I'm like, my man, you're yeah. stuck on B and you're just ignoring any of the evidence that takes yeah. you to the right answer. Like the... The fact that we're all living in the Truman Show is not an interesting answer. Yeah. Oh boy. But yeah, if you uh, <laughs> if you ever want to watch some really fun YouTube videos, uh, I found a. Uh, let's see if I can find them again. There's a chemistry professor that made some really great YouTube videos debunking a lot of this and like speaking directly to the flat earthers. He brings up a lot of really like. Simple, solid questions that the flat earthers really struggle with. Yeah. Um, but of course, they they always able to come up with some crazy answer yep. as to why this thing could be happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, those videos are kind of fun to watch because at least with you know professors like that, you'll learn something. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> I was gonna say, if you're watching flat Earth videos, Greg, you gotta like clear your cookies or like just I, wipe your you gotta wipe your history, man. I opened up an incognito browser. Smart. <laughs> window, very smart. Uh, specifically to look up any of the flatter stuff. And 
You know, in the documentary, he keeps talking about Mark, the main guy. He keeps talking about, I made this video called The Flat Earth Clues and it got millions of views. And that's what really turned everybody. I went and watched the video and there's like nothing of substance in there. <sighs> it's just the rantings of a madman, essentially. But I think my favorite part is he said, uh, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the exact details. He said something about, you know, in the 50s, when uh or no <clears throat> sorry the the 40s when we got nukes and these countries the countries got nukes started launching all their nukes up at the sky why would they do that what were they attacking <laughs> and so you know he, he goes straight to they're attacking the dome <laughs> so the listeners can't see the look of extreme shock and disappointment <laughs> on my face oh boy yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of legitimate. So I loved um, earth science, physical science when I was in school. I loved it. I was just fascinated with the earth. Um, and so I have several questions that like eighth grade Bianca would be like, what about weather? Like, how does weather yeah. happen? Like, there's a very there's a very clear. Granted, I'm not out here defending meteorologists. Like they're, they get it wrong a lot and I'm, I'm a little salty about it, but I feel like most of the time, right, there is a clear description and understanding of weather patterns that we have. We understand why major weather events happen most of the time. We can't prevent it or I don't know, maybe some people think we can, but <laughs> like there's a very clear understanding of what happens and why it happens that like abandoning that description and that understanding just feels like so much work that I am not willing to put in the time and effort for. Fun topic, Splatter. <laughs> 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 so, Bianca, after watching the documentary, mm -hmm. uh, were you more or less convinced that the Earth is round? I was way more convinced that the Earth was round. <laughs> like, I... My faith in the earth being round has never been shaken. Um, it continues to not be shaken. Um, however, this documentary did just, it ticks me off for like an hour and a half. <laughs> it's yeah. what it did. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I I would probably tell people that I like the documentary, but not like I like most things that I watch. Mm -hmm. I liked it like I watch a video of like a semi truck driver getting his trailer stuck on a railroad track mm -hmm. and then <laughs> and then just the destruction that happens and nobody gets hurt. Right. Nobody gets hurt. Right. But, it, you know, it's it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, my wife's favorite thing about the whole documentary was when somebody asked a question, well, has there ever been somebody in like the scientific industry that's come out and said, that the earth is flat and they mm -hmm. said oh they're not allowed to and they and they said scientists teachers they're literally not allowed to say that the earth is flat or else they will lose their jobs <laughs> my wife my wife who is a teacher mm -hmm. just kind of like put her hands to her face yeah like oh my god mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that mm. I can't even form like a full thoughtful sentence about that comment. It's just bananas. 
Yeah. And then of course, you know, this documentary was made a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to see, I tried to do like a, where are they now? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a few of these people, they've been doing some scientific experiments. Maybe they right. finally figured out. No, they haven't. Mm-mm. No. Shocking. Or if they have, it was very recent and they didn't say anything about it online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was very disappointing to me of all of the people that were actually trying to use science to prove their point that science told them that the earth was round. They were like, nah, nah, that can't be it. Oh, oh, it just made me so angry. Mm-hmm. All right. If you are similarly angry or hot take, you think the earth is flat. We want to hear it. We want to know. We want to know about your hot takes. Is there another conspiracy that we should do a deep dive into? Or should we stick to like, Halloween candy and maybe talking about socks. Tell us. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Uh, make sure you hit us up on Instagram at coworking underscore podcast. If you've got a topic suggestion, DM us on Instagram. We would love to hear uh, what you think we should cover next. We're sure you have friends. Uh, maybe they're flat earthers. Maybe they're globalists. I don't, again, I don't know what the, the term for the people who believe that we live on a marble. Um, But we're sure that, at the very least, those friends are missing their random office chit-chats. So rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about us. Uh, That's it for this week. We'll see you again in two weeks. Bye.